You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, welcome to a special Father's Day episode of Getting Swamped. This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, Ed Rashada, Rashada, Rashada. What are you doing, my man? Jaden Rashada delays his commitment to June 26th via his Twitter, and now there's no question, you know, that NIL has done some crazy things already in just a short year or so that it's been introduced, and there seems to be some questions concerning NIL lingering out there. And I have on Thomas Goldcamp, formerly of 24-7 Sports, 24-7 Sports Hall of Famer here. So Thomas, man, you know, first off, the departure from 24-7, you know, over a decade there. Tons of respect for the work you've done over the years and giving us all the info that you can there. Uh, how's life going for you outside of 24-7, man? It's pretty good, man. You know, still uh, still getting used to not having to be sort of on call 24-7. It's uh, definitely an adjustment. Uh, I guess that kind of goes with the name, right? Yeah, I was but, about uh, to say it's. No, oh, man, I'm 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 doing good. I actually moved to the Charlotte area, so uh, you know, trying to get out and about and and explore a little bit and you know see what the the new digs have to offer. Yeah. So, what made you want to go out to Charlotte, man? Are you were you originally from there, and you kind of um, you know just lived on campus the whole time you were at twenty four seven or? No. Um, so I, I was in Gainesville since 2007. I uh, went to school there and uh, graduated and ended up working, obviously, in media afterwards. Uh, but really, just kind of wanted to get a fresh start uh, outside of Gainesville. I have some family in the Charlotte area, a couple cousins, uh, and, you know, and their young kids and a couple aunts and uncles out this way. And I know my brother's talked about potentially coming up this way to, to the Carolinas. So I don't know, just kind of wanted to, uh, you know, get into a new spot, experience some, some new things and uh, you know, be a little bit less tied to sort of the grind of being a beat reporter. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't know, you know, kind of what the next step is for me. I got, I got a couple leads out, uh, maybe in journalism, maybe not. Um, but you know, if I, if I did make a career shift, it's always kind of been, uh, you know, I, I do something in financial advising and obviously the Charlotte area is, you know, kind of big for, for banking, uh, finance, all that kind of stuff. So I felt like I'd have some opportunities here and I don't know, just kind of took the leap and went for it. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and, you know, you're you're still out there on Twitter. You still cover the beat a little bit, whatever you get time. I can't quit so, it. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes part of your blood, especially, I guess, after doing it for so long. And, and the 24-7 motto is right because literally you're reporting 24-7, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When breaking news happens, you got to be there. You got to report it. So, yeah, man, just tons of respect for you, man. I mean, and as I said, no matter what you do, you'll be great at it because you've got a fantastic work ethic, and I've had a lot of respect for you throughout the years. So. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. Oh, you're welcome, man. Um, anyway, man, let's touch on some of this NIL stuff, man. Uh, a lot of things, rumors going around, uh, tons of questions, like the allocation of where the money's going, how much Rashada has been being offered, and we'll get into a little Rashada talk here in a second. But now I've talked with Eddie, some of the other folks of the collective, and uh, you know they don't you know publicize the amount of money a student athlete's being offered, which I think should be private anyway. But you know, with social media, word gets out, people start talking. You know, we've talked before on the podcast, and you said there's a ton of confusion where, like, NIL money's located and allocated, how much is available for a class. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on the average fan of what exactly how all this works from what you've learned? Because this is all new to everyone. Just give us, like, a general idea of, like, where the allocation of the money goes. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I first off, I, I don't want to say anything 100%, right? Like, cause, right. like you said, they, they do keep it private to a certain extent. But, you know, you hear figures being offered, you know, I mean, we know what happened with Darnell Jackson, some of the, the figures that were floated out there for him when, when Florida was going after him from the transfer portal and Miami stepped in and kind of beat him out. Um, but, you know, we have some general framework for, for all that. I think, you know, Billy Napier said that uh, ideally their annual war chest would be about 20 million. Now that doesn't mean, you know, you have 20 million allocated to one recruiting class, right? Like Florida is, uh, structuring it such that, you know, they have deals going out to current players. And first off, you can't, can't outright offer recruits, you know, NIL deals. So it's all depending on the state you're in. And, and obviously the state of Florida is a little bit more restrictive in terms of the school can't directly uh, sort of funnel the NIL money. Uh, that's got to be separate. Um, but, you know, the, the conversations happen. And um, but but the bottom line is, so it, it, theoretically, if you have 20 million right uh, yeah. in a year, probably only a quarter, maybe a fifth of that is, is going to be going towards the recruits, right? So you're talking 
ballpark four or five million. Now there's there could be years where you exceed that. If you have a really, really good class, you know, everybody throws out that 30 million number for, for a and I have no idea how accurate that is. That seems like a stretch, right? Yeah. But I, but I've seen people talking about, you know, with Jalen Rashada on, on some of these message boards, expecting that he's getting in like the five to $6 million offer, quote which, quote. you know, but, but I don't think that's realistic. And that's not, I, I've heard numbers out there uh, that I have heard from multiple people that are nowhere close to that range. Um, you know, low seven figures, that kind of thing. So um, I don't know if that, that answers your question at all. Yeah. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, it's hard because, you know, that for obvious reasons, like you said, that they don't want to publicize the numbers because that can lead to a lot of potential locker room issues. Um, yeah. But I don't think, David, the, I don't think the money is necessarily an issue for Florida right now. I don't get the sense that Florida's just being outbid left and right. And I think, in fact, there, there are, quote unquote offer for Rashada or what he would sort of know that he can make once he gets to Florida is in my opinion, very, very competitive. And I think is unlikely to be the reason uh, if he were to look elsewhere that that happens in my opinion. Yeah. Now, do you think like some of these schools are uh, announcing these big bogus offers like 8 million for, I think Tennessee said something like 8 million for their quarterback just to maybe entice some kids to want to like look at that school and be like, Hey, maybe I need to sign an NIL deal with these guys or something like that. I would assume that's their thought process. And, and I know, you know, Florida folks talking to Marcus Castro Walker, who's sort of in charge of Florida's NIL efforts. Yeah. He says that offer is a hundred percent legit. Like that is an actual, they committed to 8 million. Now, whether or not that ends up getting fully paid out, who knows? Um, but, you know, that, that was not a, a made up number that just came out of nowhere. So it, you do have schools, I think, trying to, like you said, make a splash in the NIL market. And if you're a program like Tennessee, where, quite frankly, you haven't had a lot of success in the last 20 years, maybe there's some merit to that strategy of, of kind of going with the flash, at least initially, you know, before some of the NIL buzz wears off and the market kind of cools down a little bit. and you know, maybe that pays off for them. We'll see. Yeah, and I'm sure with some of these NIL deals, like $8 million is the cap of what they could make. So maybe they're an okay quarterback when they get to college, and they probably only make maybe $1 million of that, if that. Or say you win them a national championship, or you break school records, and you win the Heisman, and you're probably going to cap out at that certain amount, I would assume, on an NIL deal. I, I don't know how all of these work, and I don't know the terms and conditions of all the NIL deals. And they so probably vary from, from school to school, collective to collective. I mean, yeah, and person really? to person, too. I mean, Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, and, um, you know, that's why, I guess, kind of the, the reason why it, a lot of it is private. You know, obviously, the, the, they might give them the max deal, and they, in, in the state of Florida, you can't sign – a kid to an NIL deal that's in high school, but after they sign that letter of intent, they enroll, then the NIL deal becomes available for them. And, uh, you know, speaking of all of that, and, uh, you know, we'll get into some Rashada talk, as I said here later. Uh, Rashada, he's considering Florida top 50 quarterback and almost a five-star quarterback. Most sites have him in that five-star range. You see these big-time five-star quarterbacks and these deals that are supposedly making through NIL and in, as I said, there's various different amounts. Uh, what do you believe is like the general average in the NIL era for like a highly ranked prospect? Nonetheless, the most important spot, quarterback. Um, you know, I think I kind of go back to the general framework. You know, if Florida's talking about $20 million a year yeah. for both, you know, the recruiting class and the current roster, probably looking at five, six million maybe for for a recruiting class. And I think you're going to weight it very heavily towards a quarterback. I mean, especially if you look at Florida's situation right now mm-hmm. where you have Anthony Richardson, you know, is the only proven guy. And, he, and even he, you know, hasn't really been through a full season as the starter yet. It, you probably don't feel great about the backups behind him. If you got the chance to get a five-star quarterback in there, I think it's totally fair to allocate, you know, a fifth of that five to six million, uh, a quarter of that five to six million to your big quarterback because, you know, those guys – and be difference makers in the recruiting class as well. You know, talented guys want to go and play with a guy that everybody's talking about as a five-star quarterback, you know, potential um, Heisman type guy down the road, guy that can lead you to the playoffs and, and potentially a national championship. So there's value beyond just the, the quarterback's potential production, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's all kind of, uh, it fits together. And so, you know, I, I don't think a seven-figure offer, low seven figures, for a quarterback that can potentially be sort of that cornerstone to your class is, is all that bad at all to me. 
Yeah, and you see, I guess, videos of Anthony Richardson, Gervon Dexter, some of those guys wearing these big diamond chains. And then I think it's Jonathan Odom, right, that goes around to try to see who, which one's got real swag and which one doesn't. And every time he goes to checks like Gervon's or Richardson's, it's all real. So you know they're making some kind of money off these NIL deals over here. Oh, no, I mean, I mean, we've seen it. We've talked to Eddie and, and Jan, and you know, yeah. the Gator Collective is out there. They're raising money, and the Gator Guard's you know, bringing in the big donors. So like I said, I, I think the money's there. I think the real question for Florida right now is, is sort of that allocation question that we're talking about. Right. And yeah. we're talking generally, we don't know the exact numbers that, you know, how Florida's divvying it up, but I, I think in the fan base, there's sort of the question mark of, you know, we see these, these huge numbers that are coming from some of these other places, you know, 8 million at Tennessee, 800,000 for a, a basketball transfer at Miami and, you know, Florida fans are kind of looking at it. And right now, you know, with only five commitments and the class being ranked, what, 50th nationally. Yeah. I think the question mark for a lot of Florida fans is, is that the piece that's maybe holding us back from, from moving up those rankings and getting some of these, you know, A.J. Harris, Cormani McLean, uh, Jaden Rashada types in the boat? And I would say I don't think it is right now. I think the money's there. You know, there may be a question of, what is the right way to spend it? You know, do you don't want to get into a situation where you're paying just because, you know, one outlier in the market is throwing out a huge deal, if that makes sense, because it, it does need to be sustainable. And I think, you know, from talking to Billy Napier, from talking to Marcus Castro Walker, I do get the sense that Florida wants to do it in a sustainable manner, but I don't think there's been any instances yet other than probably Darnell Jackson where NIL has directly cost Florida a player. I, I just don't get that sense at all right now. Yeah, me neither, uh, and especially the things you hear about Rashada and him taking those two visits. I mean, those are two 2,000-mile trips. So, I mean, obviously, if there was no interest in Florida or anything like that, he wouldn't even be making that trip. And as I said, we'll get into that later. But I, I'm glad you mentioned Gator Guard and Collective. I mean, a lot of people think that they're together, but they're, they are separate entities. I mean, but I mean, they kind of they play team with this whole NIL thing uh, for Florida Gator Sports. And, of course, there's other bigger and smaller entities outside of that, like car dealerships, marketing firms, et cetera. Uh, there's literally, like, no rules right now. And we've had this whole Rashada situation. Uh, kids get their parents, you know, can literally drive the price up at a certain school if a kid wants to come to their campus and sign the letter of intent. I mean, but what's stopping them from decommitting and just going elsewhere later if they get called by a school or a different team with a different deal that's even more, I mean, they're technically just committed. I mean, they haven't signed anything on the dotted question. line. You know, that's a that's a great question. You know, I uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the the data sort of shifts because we've had for a long time now a pretty firm idea of what does a commitment mean statistically. Yeah, and for the most part, I, I want to say that number has been in the seventy to eighty percent range of once you commit, that, that player is about seventy to eighty percent likely to end up at that school. 70 to 80% of the players that commit end up at the school that they're committed to. Um, That may change. That may come down quite a bit because, you know, schools that maybe miss on a prospect all of a sudden start to reallocate, think, think a little bit differently about what they can spend on, you know, this position of need, like for, for Florida, for example, knowing you have Anthony Richardson and not a whole lot of confidence necessarily right now behind him. You know, if, if you miss on a Jaden Rashada, for example, does that, cause you to go higher with your number for the next quarterback target, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, do you go way high on Rashada now knowing he's an elite prospect and you really need to get a guy in the boat that can create some momentum, get, you know, all those things. I think it's going to be a little bit more fluid. I wouldn't be surprised if a commitment, you know, in the next year or two is less solid, like to your point, than than it has been in the past. So it's, it's a, such a fluid dynamic. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see, one, how coaches go about it, right? Because I do think there's potentially different thought processes on how to do it. But then, two, how quickly it shifts, you know, over the next year or two as, as people get a better handle on it. And I'm wondering why you're, why we're talking about that. I'm wondering if some of these NIL deals, like, say, if you commit to said school, you know, obviously you're not signing the papers yet till you enroll. But, say, once you're enrolled, I wonder if they have certain rules about, like, if you transfer. Because, you know, you get that one-time transfer to the portal and all of that. What if there's like a condition that says, well, you take this hit of a penalty if you go and transfer somewhere else? So, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I don't know exactly that it would have to. I'm sure that it's been looked over by the lawyers and all that. Yeah, um, because I, I want to say, you know, you, you can't write it in such a way that it's pay for play, essentially. Right. Like it can't right. be tied to you're playing for Florida. Like the whole idea of NIL is is about 
sort of your individual value as yep. a as a brand. Um, so I'm sure that they're writing contingencies into the into these contracts. I have no doubt about that. I just don't know legally how how you uh, arrange the language. You know, like we're talking about. Yeah, and it's funny about a commitment now. Is like I said, you don't sign anything really to their enrolled. And uh, it, it, we saw it with Travis Hunter, man. That was a long time Florida State commit. I mean, he was committed for a long time, number one player in the class. And then the last second, you know, National Signing Day, he 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 switches his commitment to Jackson State and goes there with Deion Sanders. And then you see the. Uh, I mean, it came back and, and burned us quite a bit. I mean, with Miami with Citizen there at the last second. And, and you know, everybody had their crystal balls put in for uh, the Citizen. And, uh, you know, even Steve Wiltfong, he has great sources. I know you've worked with him for many years. Yep. You know what kind of sources he has. And he even thought he was coming to Florida. And then at the last second, boom, here in comes Miami with something else. And he winds up going over there. So, really, you know, when you look at it, a, a commitment is good to have because obviously you know that that person's committed to your school. But man, that thing can always change in the matter of a moment. Yeah, I think you know it's it's similar to how it always has been, right? Nothing is final till signing day, right? But you still want to have momentum. You know, you want to have that recruiting momentum. You want, fans want to feel like, especially the ones that follow recruiting, who are probably the most diehard, they want to feel like things are going well. And you know, look, we're we're all fans enough to the point that we follow college football year long. Right. Yeah. So when there's not games being played, what are fans going to focus on that, that still, you know, live, eat and, and, and breathe the sport? Well, it's going to be recruiting. And so, you, you know, you want to have that momentum. And I think, you know, right now, Florida fans are, are just kind of waiting, you know, when is that momentum going to start to pick up? Yeah, we'll talk about that here now, man. Speaking of that momentum, there was supposed to be a commitment on June the 18th announced for quarter or almost five-star quarterback Jaden Rashada. You know, he delays his commitment to June the 26th. This coming off his last official visit, which was at Florida. It cites and people I've talked through the situation seemingly thought it was wrapped up, but uh doesn't look to be right now, which could turn good or bad or, or just maybe something we could be looking too far into either way. Jaden, you know, has one more official visit left, and he'll, you know, if he elects to take it, rumors swirling around, man, it could be Miami getting that last visit. Sure could be. Uh, it seems to be, you know, if he's going to take another one, that seems to be the direction it would be headed. And, you know, I can't blame Florida fans for being a little bit nervous given, you know, yeah. some of the numbers that Miami's throwing around. I mean, you know, the Darnell, the Darnell Jackson thing uh, caught Florida by surprise. You know, they thought that they would – at least have a chance to say, Hey, you know, okay, here's what you heard from them. Here's what we can do. And it never got to that point. So it, it definitely, I think creates some nerves, but um, David, I mean, I've heard pretty good things from within Florida's camp, you know, about how they feel about this recruitment. And I think that they've done a lot to sort of, you know, meet the family at every turn with, you know, what they're sort of looking for, what they can offer, uh, you know, as a program. And, We'll just have to see. I mean, you, you got it like to your point earlier, you've got to be patient in these things because, you know, the, the, the needs in an individual recruitment can change very quickly and you never know what somebody else is going to pitch. So ideally, you know, if, if you're Florida, you can put a little bit of pressure on such that maybe that's, this visit doesn't happen. But, you know, if it does, you just you got to stand firm with where you're at in the recruitment and, and just try to finish the deal. Yeah, I hope so, man, because uh, Miami has stopped people from visiting us. So we need to get them back, man. <laughs> we need and I don't know back. what the right balance is, right? Because I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, these are big decisions, especially when you're a quarterback. I mean, that, that you know, you, you need to land in a good spot these days or, you know, you're looking to transfer two years down the road. So I, I don't know what the right balance is of, of being aggressive and trying to, you know, close down recruitment, so to speak. But like I said, I mean, we're looking at Florida's class right now. It's ranked 50th nationally. You know, you, you've seen A.J. Harris now go to Georgia, who's a guy that in, in mid-April, a lot of Florida fans and, and a lot of national analysts and guys that cover it felt Florida was in great shape. So those are the type of, you know, recruitments eventually that have to start tilting Florida's way. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it's not over with yet. I mean, A.J. Harris, just a commitment there to Georgia could you know, never know. Maybe he flips back over here or flips somewhere else. You never know. It's just been it's so crazy now with NIL how – a kid can have his mindset on one school and then within the blink of an eye, it just changes and he's somewhere else. And you're just like, what? So it's really, it's made recruiting in early and national signing day, really, really interesting now, because now you're more surprised now than you ever were before this whole NIL thing before NIL. It seemed like usually if a recruit was trending somewhere, 
that's where they were going to end up anyway. But now yeah. it's it's you see all these surprises on early and national signing days. So it's just crazy. And you know, we're talking about Rashada here. Um, you know, obviously, he delayed his commitment to. I thought it was Saturday because it, it, I was thinking a week, but it's actually on a Sunday. And actually, if you look at it, the past couple times that Florida's had a big time commitment commit to Florida, it's been on a Sunday. If you look at it, Shamar James commit on a Sunday. I remember uh, who who else was that? I think Dave Mullen got fired on a Sunday too. So yeah, yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, lots of things happen on Sunday for Florida Gators, and hopefully coming up this Sunday. Um, no, not Father's Day today, but next Sunday, uh, Rashad will will pick Florida, and it maybe ease everybody's minds. But w- why do you think maybe he's delayed that commitment? Now we've heard he's going to take a trip to Miami. Maybe that could be in the books. It may not even happen. Or maybe he just needs more time to think, or maybe he wanted to do it, I guess he said, on his grandmother's birthday, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I don't think the birthday thing's sort of the primary driver here. I don't but uh, I think, you know, I, this was a recruitment that, you know, the recruiting guys that, that follow this much more closely than I do, uh, guys like Blake Alderman, have said from the start that this is a recruitment that's going to be in large part decided by NIL. You know, that NIL is going to be a big factor. And I think when you're talking about, top 50 quarterback recruits, that's, that's to be expected. I mean, yeah. Tennessee threw out an $8 million offer, you know, to a guy. So I think the, the market is sort of, it's big right now, right? Like the, the, the spread on what you can get as a quarterback is, is pretty large. And so you're obviously trying to maximize that. Um, you know, did somebody get in his ear and say, Hey, at least, you know, check out what we have to offer at Miami. Maybe. Uh, could that be a situation where, you know, again, you're just trying to maximize what you can get out of Florida as a guy that, you know, has a good deal of leverage on the Gators right now, given the quarterback situation and um, given where Florida's class stands and sort of the pressure that, you know, Billy Napier and, and his staff are sort of already feeling when, like we said, it's the off season and fans want good things to happen. Uh, it, you, you have some leverage. I mean, just realistically, it's, it's very, it's very good negotiating leverage. And so, um, I, I think that's probably more what's going on here than, than anything else. But, you know, again, like you said, there, you never know what can happen once, once those visits happen and once you do hear another pitch. So I, I think it's mostly just trying to make sure that you're getting everything that you can out of Florida and that you feel comfortable with that decision. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think a lot of people that follow this recruitment a lot more closely than I do still feel very comfortable and confident with Florida. I don't think NIL money is a limiting factor in this recruitment at all. No, I don't either. Uh, uh, from a lot of folks I've talked to, credible guys, uh, it, it seems like Florida, you know, they have what, what Rashada wants and what he needs and his father's okay with. I think really it's just a matter of uh, <laughs> moving the price up a little bit more for uh, for Rashada, which, I mean, as a fan and you're watching it from afar, you're so irritated. You're like, why can't this kid just come in? What's a few other more thousand dollars, you know? But at the same time, I guess it's like when you – you know, you're really good at what you do. Say you have a good resume and there's three jobs that want you, right? You're going to take the highest salary of, of, of every job. I mean, you're going to want to pitch that salary. So it's like, if you're put in that situation, you know, wouldn't you do it too? I mean, I, I don't blame the kid. I mean, it's irritating. I'm not a good negotiator, so you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an okay negotiator, but geez, I mean, to me, I would just be like, hey, if, if this is really where I want to go, and they beat me at a price range, and maybe some other school gives me a few thousand more, or maybe five hundred thousand more. And I really want to go to said school. I might pitch that, hey, they're offering me this, and if they can't right. match it, I would think, well, I really still want to go to the school. So why don't I just come here anyway? And and maybe I can make the the extra money on more nil deals or just out of my gameplay. I mean, it's it's crazy, but that's how I would think. But I don't know. This is a very fluid situation anyway, man. NIL's crazy and just the amounts that are getting thrown out there. And- I've never had to make a decision where, you know, there was a difference of two hundred, three hundred thousand yeah. dollars between offers, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, I, I don't know if it's pennies to them or if it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of money. To me, it's a lot of money. But, man, uh, I'll tell you what, though, if I ever if I ever raise a five star quarterback, I know I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to let the kid go where he wants to go. I'm not going to be a deciding factor, that, but I'm going to be like, hey, man, look what this other place is offering, man. You know, this could pay off the house or something. <laughs> there you go. I, it's, these, are not, these are not decisions that are being made lightly, I don't think. 
No, they're not. But uh, anyway, man, Thomas, thank you for joining me here on Getting Swamped once again, kind of clearing up some NIL uh, questions or anything. Is there anything else that maybe about NIL that maybe you've seen on the boards or something or on social media that you might want to get cleared up here or just any kind of questions towards it? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think, you know, I was listening to um, a podcast with uh, Dan Wetzel and, and uh, Pat Ford is usually on it, but he was off. And, and so they had Ross Dellinger on and they were talking about, you know, just sort of the confusing parts of all this. Right. Like we, we're talking about offers for quote unquote offers for Jaden Rashada. Yeah. And again, like the letter of the law in Florida is one, the school can't direct it. Right. So yeah. they were talking on this podcast. I thought they did a really good job of it's so murky of like where the line is from when does an offer become an offer, right? Cause it can't happen as a recruit, but obviously they're having these discussions they're having these conversations. Um, and, and it's different state to state, right? Like the state of Louisiana and, and a couple other Southern states have now passed bills that allow them to directly, you know, sort of operate the NIL arms. So it's, it's very different everywhere. And um, I, I think just the, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the whole thing's confusing. I don't, I don't have an easy way to, yeah. to sort of streamline it for everybody, but um, I think patience is probably merited, you know, like this, this really is the absolute wild West right now. And, and as much as we want to talk about, you know, this being Billy Napier's bump class and it's sitting ranked 50th nationally right now, um, they're having to learn on the fly. There's no playbook for any of this right yeah. now. And so, you know, a year from now, two years from now, you'll have a better idea of maybe missteps that you didn't anticipate or things that you did that worked maybe better than you thought and they'll adjust going forward. But I think you're going to have to be patient, um, especially early on with, with these recruitments like a Jaden Rashada, where you're talking about there's only, you know, what four or five quarterbacks that are in this range, maybe that, that can command the kind of money that he's going to be looking at. And so there's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be delays. There's going to be potentially, even if he commits, you know, it's not over. To, yeah. to, to your point, you're going to have to ride this thing all the way through signing day and make sure that you're checking in constantly, because if you're not, someone could slip in there and, and, you know, they strike out on a couple quarterbacks that they were after. And all of a sudden, Jaden Rashad is looking at an even bigger offer than he had from Florida. So I, I don't know. I think I think the main thing is, is be, be patient, and, uh, be willing to be flexible and, and kind of let these things play out a little bit. Yeah, as I said, we're just guesstimating and we're just talking amongst ourselves about this. We know nothing like inside details of how NIL deals between Florida players are structured or anything like that. So don't take anything that we said and say, oh, so-and-so said this, no, because we don't know either. (laughs) We don't know either. This is all just guessing and just kind of talking amongst each other. Man, you got to think, too. A five-star quarterback, say he gets a bigger deal at the end, say an early signing day, and, and say all those offensive wide receivers, tight ends commit because that kid's in the class. What if he flips? Is that going to make all the other kids say, oh, my God, I'm going to have to sign somewhere else now? <laughs> so yeah, it's crazy, man. Just just looking and thinking about all the situations that could happen with, with NIL, it's just a, it's a different world, man. It's a completely different world with uh, – you know, NIL, National Signing Day, Early Signing Day, we've already seen a ton of surprises and, and flips at the last second. So, I mean, just we'll just got to have to wait and see. I mean, as, as Thomas said, be patient here as a Florida fan. And I know patience isn't something that we're used to, especially, you know, with the past coaching regimes that we've had here and recruiting hasn't been the best because, you know, obviously there was no effort with the last staff in recruiting. We That's no question about that. But uh, trust me, the staff that we have now, they're doing everything that they can to get recruits on campus. We've seen many more elites on campus, many more IMG kids finally coming to the University of Florida after seemingly, what, eight years of IMG Academy. So, you know, the staff's there. They're trying. They're getting kids, and they're getting kids committed as well. So uh, we're just going to have to be patient and uh, just see what happens. Yeah, I think that, I think you nailed it. I think, like you said, uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of positive signs that pipelines are being opened in areas that they need to. Yep. Hard work is not an issue with this staff. I do think, you know, some of the current angst is kind of what you hit on that, you know, unfortunately, Dan Mullen and his staff were very good coaching offensive football. And I think everybody saw the potential. They saw how close Florida was in 2020 to to getting over the hump against Alabama. They saw it again last year, you know, when you you come up a two point conversion shy. And and the only thing that was missing was the, the talent pipeline sort of slowed down and shut off over the course of his tenure. And so recruiting is under a microscope right now at Florida. And, you know, that's unfortunate for Billy Napier, but that's the reality that he walks into. So 
I think contextualizing it and, and sort of putting it into that framework of, hey, this is a, a unique recruiting situation. Nobody's ever walked into uh, a wide open NIL field where, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, open market. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think to your point, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I said, the, the staff's trying. Things are getting better at the University of Florida. As I said, we're seeing things that we haven't seen before in a long time. So, yeah, just be patient with this whole thing, man. I mean, I was even irritated when Rashada delayed his commitment. Even I was just like, God, here we go again. Never a dull moment like Gator Dave says. Never a dull moment. <laughs> well, Thomas, thank you for joining me here. I'll get the spot. Nice to catch up with you, too, by the way. You know, obviously departing there for 24-7 sports. And, uh, you know, good luck to you in the future in whatever you do, man. I, I, like I said, I, I've really respected your work. You, you, you've been fantastic on the beat as a Florida beat reporter. So anything that you do in the future, I know you'll succeed. I appreciate that, man. I, I will definitely still be around on Florida Twitter. Like I said, I graduated from Florida. Uh, it's kind of in the blood at this point, 15 years. And uh, I got to get these hot takes off somewhere. <laughs> exactly. And you can, hey, anytime you want to be on here, man, all you got to do is send me a DM, man. And I'll, I'll let you on and we can talk up some football. Sounds good, man. Always fun time. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you, Thomas, for joining me. I'll get swamp. All right. That was Thomas Goldcamp, formerly of 24-7 Sports there, sharing his knowledge of the whole NIL situation here at the University of Florida and around the nation and some Rashada talk as well. And as I said, man, things are going to be even more insane in the world and wild ride of recruiting. I mean, I can guarantee you that you'll see more flips from kids and more flops from schools around the nation now with NIL. And just remember this, folks. Jimbo spent no money on that recruiting class last year. I mean, it was just some sliced bread guy from Bro Bible. And here, it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Sliced Bread. Then everybody runs with it. Had to throw that one out there for you folks, man. But hopefully, man, Gold Camp cleared up some things for you folks out there on social media. And speaking of NIL... The Gator Collective has done great things for podcasting and media guys like ourselves, and we have gotten to learn a little bit more about some of the players on our football team, and the Gator Collective delivers again on getting swamped. Offensive lineman David Connor caught up with me to discuss his times in high school, meeting the new staff, some of the differences they have made at the University of Florida, and the impact NIL has had on him and the student athletes there as well. We will have that interview on the second part of getting swamped, Coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Wood Carving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Wood Carving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, folks, joining me on Getting Swamp today is David Connor, a guy that you guys know from last recruiting cycle, a new up-and-comer here at the University of Florida. And uh, David, man, uh, I don't know about you. It's about 93, 95 degrees here, man. Have you, how have you been holding up with that heat, man? I mean, I've been, I've been getting through it, but I did play in South Florida my senior year, so I'm kind of used to it. But, like, it's, it's kind of crazy up here. Yeah. It is a you used to play down there in Decatur for a little bit before you went to Deerfield Beach, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I'm a Woodstock guy. I live in Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, tell me about those times in Decatur. I mean, where we're like before maybe you moved to Deerfield Beach. I mean, it was you know 
football was kind of rough down there. You know, I wasn't getting kind of attention I wanted. Yeah. Uh, kind of looks, competition. And, you know, I just wanted to go somewhere where I can be challenged every single week against somebody as good as me or even better than me so we can make each other better every week. That's right. You came to the the state of Florida where the best of the best play anyway around the nation. So that that was a good choice there, man. Um, uh, obviously, you were recruited by Dan Mullen in the in the last regime. Uh, obviously, Dan Mullen gets let go. Billy Napier comes in. What was that process like building that relationship first with Mullen, Hevesy, and then the rest of the staff, and then having to kind of rebuild that and rekindle that new relationship with uh, head coach Billy Napier? I mean, uh. You know, building that relationship with Coach Mullen was pretty easy because, you know, he was a great guy, you know, cheerful, joyful, and just, like, a great person all around. And then so, you know, it was easy to build a relationship with him over the few months that I know him. But then once he got let go and that ended, it was Coach Napier came in. You know, I, it went a few weeks without talking to nobody from Florida. So I didn't know what was about to happen in my future. I didn't know if I was going to have to decommit. Go somewhere else. I didn't know anything. And then I finally got that text from Coach Napier. And then we just started building a relationship from there. And, you know, he he told me what he told me. And, like, while I've been up here at, in Gainesville, he did everything he told me he was going to do. So, yeah, that's, Greg, good. that's good to hear. Is that what ultimately made you stay at the University of Florida? I mean, you said you were thinking about, like, decommitting, which obviously when there's a coaching change, that, that could happen with any player. Obviously, you form the relationship with the coach. Uh, what was your mind going through at that time? You know, you didn't get the text for two weeks, like you said. Uh, take me back there. Uh, was it just like, were you com- more confused or were you just, just kind of waiting in the wings? I want to say I was confused. Well, not, and I wasn't confused because, like, I wasn't really focused on that right now because, like, yeah. I knew even if it did come to that point where I had to decommit, I knew where I was going to go, all that. But then it was just, like, they ain't telling me nothing. Like, it was just... We got the week. I'm not hearing nothing. I'm just like, dang, maybe maybe it's time to go. And then, but yeah, once I got that text, well, no, first I got a visit from Coach Pierre. He came down, and then he, he was talking to me. He came to my school, and he was just like, we like you. We want you to stay here. We want you to come. And then that was like maybe a week before my official visit. And so we, we chopping it up. And then, yeah, just – they made sure that I knew I was still a priority and still wanted in Gainesville. So that's what made me stay. Well, I'm glad they were able to get you to stay, man. I, I'm very happy that they got you guys to stay. And, and a lot of you guys, even me, when I, when I watch it just as a fan, um, you know, when that coaching change happened, I was like, oh, man, who's going to leave? Who's going to stay? Because, <laughs> like, as a fan, you want everybody to stay, but you understand as, like, you know, you form a relationship with a head coach and they're gone you know, that's like kind of forming a relationship with anybody you would see out on the street, then they, then they're gone. And like, what do you do next? You know? So it's kind of a confusing time for every kid, especially there. Um, what about Rob Sale and Donald Stapleton? I mean, uh, those guys, obviously they, they coach on the offensive line. There's three other coaches as well. Uh, what are those guys like? We, we see them on camera. We see some of the videos, some of the funny videos out there too, but what are they like off camera? Right. When I tell you, like, this is probably the best offensive line coaching staff in the nation. So we got Coach Sale. Like, he the hard coach. He going to tell you what you don't want to hear. He going to give it to you raw. He going he gonna to put it in. He going to tell you what he want, and you're going to do it right. He going to get in your butt. And you got Coach Stapleton, a little bit more chill. He's still going to tell you what he want. He going to tell you what you want happen. But then, like, it's really the off-the-field offensive line coach. Like, that's what really, like, got me clicking and going with this. Because you got Coach Steve, he be in the weight room. And so he gets you right in there. And then after we done with the weight room, we go on the field. Then we got Coach Mike Richard. Like, he the brains of the operation. So, like, when you want to study film or don't know something, you go in the film room with him. And then you got Coach Blackshear. He's a more hands-on off-the-field coach, and, like, he put you in, like, position and, like, run you through all the drills. So it's really just, like, a great environment. You got a coach for everything, and they they great at what they do. So when you're in that film room, we've heard a lot of things about, like, the coaches being very analytical, but also, obviously, you're watching films, so you're seeing the physical part of it. How analytical are these coaches, man? Um, They're very analytical. Like, Coach Sale. 
Like he, you know, he coached at every level really. Yeah. Been in the NFL, college, and like he know how he want things done, and he gonna let you know how he want things done in the weight room, and you know, he just makes sure you always on top of your game, and so does Coach uh, Stapleton. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. Especially, I guess as a fan, you see the offensive line. I mean, you go back four years as me as a fan, the offensive line wasn't bad. Uh, Nineteen twenty. Dipped a little bit. A lot of guys left to go to the NFL as well, too. So that's expected. Uh, You kind of started to see the offensive line a little bit gel a little bit last year. But now, you know, with this new invigorated staff as a fan, you're thinking to yourself, wow, these kids, and and especially I've interviewed five, six, seven kids, and they all say the same thing. Like, man, this is like a coaching staff we've never had before. They're very analytical. They're on top of things. And it's good that they're, you know, they're taking care of you guys. Um, uh, as far as that though, uh, let, let's go a little bit into kind of the recruiting process. Cause you sat through the recruiting process with the last staff. I, I'm sure you took your visits here. Um, it's kicked up here lately in June. There's a lot of guys coming in here and especially you got Friday night lights coming up. Um, have you been to some of these like visits recently? Have you hosted any kids and have you noticed like maybe a more organized, diligent approach with the, uh, official visits? I mean, like I said, you obviously you know, saw the visits with the last staff. Is it more diligent, organized? How's it like? Um, yeah, I've been to I've been to all the official visit weekends, and like so, you know, right now we have the food trucks in the indoor facility, and then like they have all the recruits tables set up, everything looking nice, and like I got to say, like here, like right now with these official visits, the head coach is more head on. Like, no disrespect to Dan Mullen, but, like, you will see him. Like, you, you wouldn't see him sometimes when you come on your visit. But, like, Coach Napier, you always going to see him. He going he gonna to be in there every single time. He going to be in your face talking to you, letting you know how bad he wants you to come to his school. Yeah, like, he's just a way more hands-on person. Yeah, that's good to hear that. I, and I went to the Atlanta Gator gathering, and I heard Coach Napier talk, and um, just – as me just looking, and I've said this a couple podcasts ago, you could see how genuine and honest of a guy that he was, and he's not afraid to take a picture with somebody or a fan or anything like that. He's a really, really, he's a more of a family guy, but he's more of a laid back, but I mean, I'm sure <laughs> if you got to hear something from him, you're not doing something on the field, he's going to let you know about it, but you can just yeah. see how much of a genuine guy he actually really does care for each and every player, and it goes a long way with the parents when they bring their kids to the University of Florida as well, because you know, as a parent, you're going to be taken care of at the University of Florida. So that's really good to hear, man. I'm glad Coach Billy Napier has been taking care of you guys, and you see him every day. And, uh, you know, looking at the interview that Ben Troop did with Anthony Richardson, you saw the list that he had brought up. He wants to make sure you know every coach that's on the roster, every player, what position they play. And that that's just insane, man. And, and it's really cool how much he pays attention to the detail and how much he helps those players out. So, I also noticed that, uh, you know, he's taking care of a lot of things around the staff, but one of them is the tailored suits, man. I know you you guys right. got to <laughs> get a little bit of those suits out there. Is that That's two every year you guys get, correct? Yep. That's crazy. That is insane because those things are those things are expensive, man. <laughs> I had to go to a wedding one time, man. I had to rent one of those things, and it was expensive. I could imagine how much it cost to own one of those things. Uh, yeah. So, how are the how are the players responding to that, man? Uh, what so far, what Billy's done in that department? I mean, it's just like it gives you a reason to respect him, and actually trust yeah. his process because like he told you he was going to do stuff, and he actually came in the building and got it done and made it happen. So it don't give you no other option to to respect him and trust his process. Yeah, absolutely. And and we heard about the parking tickets that's taken care of, the food, nutrition that's taken care of. Is there any other, like, small things that Billy Napier's taking care of that maybe we don't know about? Uh, I feel like everything you take care of, y'all know about it. <laughs> That's good, man. And so, like, you can just call Billy Napier up, maybe in the middle of the night, and be like, "Hey, man, this is this is bothering me," or something like that. You'll have somebody on top of it. That's crazy. Yeah. That that is insane. That's 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 called really good organization and really good care of your players. So right. I'm glad that as a fan, you obviously you guys are being taken care of. Um, he has these phases. Uh, we we've been through phase one, two, three. Four, I think we're on phase five now. Regimen. Um. I asked a bunch of the players what certain phases were like. Uh, Tell me your experience. What was, like, the hardest phase for you, and what's regimen like? Oh, you know, regimen the first one I've been through. So Okay. 
So like, it's just that's right. You, you got there late, right? Yeah, I got okay. there. Okay, my bad. Well, yeah, regiment is it really shows. So like, now we got football, then we got competition within the team, just to like, it's basically an accountability competition. Like, you you doing stuff right. If you do something wrong, you get points taken off from your team. You do stuff right, you get points. You got a chance to get extra points by just doing extra things. And it just really shows your accountability and uh, how you how you want to be remembered while you're on this team. Yeah, I saw that video of uh, the so, uh, one half of the team of the spring game eating a really good meal and the other team getting, like, yeah. what, like some, some – Frozen chicken and dumplings or something like that. I don't even know what it looks like. But uh, it looks like you want to be on the winning side of things over at the University of Florida than rather on the well, losing side. So, that I mean, that breeds competition, though, man, when you got those, you know, you, you want competition to better yourself as a player. So, <laughs> hopefully, next time they do have a competition, you're on the winning side and you get a, a what, an eight-course meal? I don't even know what they serve over there. What's that food like? I know We've seen the visits of, like, the, the player's you know, cooking food, and then uh, you know Shannon Snell there with his with his ribs. Well, I mean, what is that like? What I mean, first off, I want to know what Shannon Snell's ribs taste like, man, because I've I haven't had any yet. What are they like, man? Yeah, they're amazing. You got to come up and get some. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I see videos, and I'm just like, man. Uh, next time I go down to Gainesville, maybe I can hit him up, man, and uh, get hit him up on Twitter and see where where I don't know exactly where that place is at because I'm I live up here in Woodstock. So anytime I come down to Gainesville, I'm just like straight to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, straight to the football game. I need to take a day where I just venture out and visit some of these other restaurants besides like Gators Dockside and all that other kind of stuff. So. Right. I mean, that's really cool you guys got that going on. I'm going to ask some kind of questions that are, like, maybe outside of football a little bit, maybe football-related. Um, you know, you're obviously, you're studying film, you're studying for your, your classwork, you're doing homework, you're doing all that so- sort of stuff, but obviously you get free time outside of the the campus. What's your favorite <laughs> hobby outside of football? I mean, right now, you just go play basketball, shoot some hoops. Just chill with some of my teammates. I saw some of your basketball film, man. I, it was you. And, I think it was Cameron Waits. I saw basketball film on too, man. You, you guys can move, man. I said, man, I don't want to play them guys in some basketball. So, who's the best basketball player there? You got? Do you guys play against each other? It's either Trent Whittemore or Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I've seen. I haven't seen Trent Whittemore. Uh, play basketball? Not on film, I don't think, but I have seen some Anthony Richardson dunks, man. So <laughs> I know he can move the basketball too. Um, Crazy athletic. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, just keep him from dancing, man. We don't, we don't want him getting hurt again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what's your favorite football game you've ever watched, man? Football game I ever watched. Um, probably, I think it was two thousand. It was whatever y'all was in seventh grade, the Broncos versus the Panthers in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Was that the one? Peyton Manning won that one, correct? Yeah. I remember I had – so uh, my, my cousins, they're big Seahawks fans, and I remember watching when the Broncos played Seattle Seahawks, but, man, the Broncos just didn't even have a chance in that Super Bowl, man. And that Percy Harvin returns that kick after halftime. It was already yeah. over at that point. <laughs> so uh, – you know what, what? You know you play the sport of football. What's your biggest thrill from playing the sport of football? I mean, obviously that's a, that's a good sport of choice. You obviously play basketball too, but you know you're coming to college to play football. What's the biggest thrill you get from football, man? Uh, just knowing where it can take me in life, like the relationships I can build, people I can meet, and the money I can make. Like it's just, just all the all the things that can can open me up for. Yeah, and uh, obviously you're here at one of the top five academic schools in the nation. Um, if it doesn't work out for anybody in the NFL, at least you got a good degree as well to fall back on, just in case. But obviously that's the ultimate goal. Everybody wants to go to the NFL. So uh, I hope you do make it to the NFL, but I want you to get your degree as well. That's that's a big important thing to do for anybody in their lifetime. Um so now that we've had this interview, I want to ask you, uh, the Gator Collective, they're doing a lot of great things. 
obviously allowing players like you to come on my podcast that I can interview too. What kind of impact has the Gator Collective had on you just as a student athlete? I mean, like, Gator Collective is probably, like, one of the best programs I've ever encountered. Like, they opened me up. They introduced me to new people like yourself and get out here and talk, put my name out there, let people get to know me on a different scale than just throwing people around on the football field and just getting to know me as a person. And so, you know, Gator Collective is, is great, and it put a little money in your pocket. So, you know, it's just great all around. Yeah, and uh, I brought up a good point, too, with uh, one of the other guys I was talking to. The, the, the good part about NIL, too, is is a lot of these kids, they, they, they go to school, they have class, they got to study, they got homework, they got football practice, they got to study football film. They do a lot of things just on campus. And, you know, if you don't have any sort of funds when you're on campus, you have to work like a part-time job or something like that as well. <laughs> It keeps the student athlete from having to do that. It keeps the student athlete put a little bit of extra dollars in their pocket, maybe get them some food or you know have a little bit of fun with the money or whatever you guys do with it. Uh, so right. it's, it's it's really cool. It, NIL is a really good approach to help the student athlete out once they get on campus. So David, obviously, I've had you on. We've learned a little bit more about you, man. Is there anything else that you would like to say to Gator Nation? Uh, no, we're about to bring a national championship back. That's all. Go Gators. That's what I like to hear. That was probably the best response of every kid that I've had on here. I wanted to hear that. We're going to bring a national championship to Florida. Is that now? Now, let me ask you this. If we do bring a national championship to Florida, is Anthony Richardson going to. I, I'll let Anthony Richardson dance if he brings us a national championship. How about that? I got you. I guess. <laughs> All right, David, it was good learning more a little bit about you, you know, chopping it up with you. And uh, as I said, Gator Collective, it's, it's a great opportunity for the student athlete. And I'm glad they're taking care of you. And thank you for joining me on Getting Swamp, man. Give me. Nice meeting you, man. All right, David Connor, another up-and-coming offensive lineman here to the University of Florida. And I'm glad we have programs like the Gator Collective that help out the student-athlete because it's not just all fun and games and football. I mean, these kids have to take time to study, pass classes, look at films, study plays, conditioning, ice-up injuries. I mean, you name it, man. So it's good to see Gator Collective helping out the fellow athlete as their schedules are pretty busy and also helping out media like ourselves so you as fans can learn even more about each athlete that laces up those cleats and puts on that helmet for the orange and blue. But folks, that'll do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. Happy Father's Day out there, by the way, to all you current fathers that are either, you know, maybe changing poopy diapers, fixing broken things around the house, uh, maybe keeping your kids off that sugar high. That all gets us on a bad day. But on a serious note, man, happy Father's Day. My father and my father-in-law aren't around anymore for me to celebrate, but you best bet I'm going to kick back on this lovely Sunday Share a celebratory toast to those two guys because they were definitely great father figures and they definitely earned my respect. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.